we have such passages as that which Paul wrote to the Corinthians and which Paul wrote to Timothy, advising us, beloved, not to fall into fornication, not to fall into adultery, but help me out here, church, to flee fornication and to flee such. David did not do that, and it cost him. What will happen to you if you choose the wrong path? Just think right out loud to yourself. It'll cost me. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and welcome to the very first edition of New Life Telecast for 2023. Still sounds like something out in the future, but here we are, 2023. I want to thank those of you that listen to New Life regularly and pray for us. We really do appreciate it and so thankful for your partnership in the ministry. Thankful to BTW21 their partnership over these many, many years. It's been a long time now that we've been sitting here before this camera, before this television audience, talking to you about something that is near and dear to my heart, something that not only means this world to me, but the world to come, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Been walking with Him for a long, long time because He wooed me and drew me to Himself, and for that I am eternally thankful. I trust and pray that you will continue to pray for us as we go through this new year together, as we continue to look into the Word of God, to try to understand it in a very practical, balanced way. You know that new life isn't about entertainment. We're here just to bring you the Word of God and to teach it, to preach it to you the best that I know how in the power of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, if Holy Spirit doesn't show up, I'm going to look mighty, mighty foolish. Our first teaching we're going to get into uh, this particular uh, session is one entitled The Masqueraders, taken from 2 Corinthians, The Masquerader. And if you know anything at all about the Word of God, you'll quickly realize that we're speaking about the enemy of our soul who comes as a masquerader. That's what Satan does. He comes to lure us away, to draw us away from the things of God. Therefore, you and I need to be alert. Now listen, uh, this trickery of Satan, this masquerading, that's not just something he does every once in a blue moon. That's something that he does every second of every day of your life. So it behooves us to pay attention to what's going on. Again, our text passage for this particular teaching is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read another verse in your hearing right now, and then we're going to jump right on into the teaching. Go with me, if you would, please, to 2 Samuel, if you have your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I'm going to pick up around verse 2, and we'll be looking at this verse very shortly. Listen to this. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. What a story. Let me pray for you. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now, whether they're listening live or sometime later, whether they're watching their television set or looking at their cell phone or a computer screen. I pray that your word would just transcend all of that and speak to our hearts, teach us some things, help us to know and understand that we need to be alert. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I cut to the program, I do want to remind you one more time, and boy, we're coming up on this in short order. Uh, New Life has a youth event that we've been doing for over 20 years now, and it's coming up January 27th, 28th, and 29th. We call it Youth Awakening. It's a fabulous weekend. I enjoy it so much. I'll tell you a little bit more about it uh, at the conclusion of the program, so don't you cut me off when we get through with the message. We've got some important things to talk to you about. God bless. Let me just uh, catch up on a little bit of background, catch up to where we are, and then we'll take off with some brand new teaching this morning. In part one, we took a glance at Adam's helpmate, his wife, Eve. Eve was deceived. Everybody say that with me. Eve was deceived. Watch this. Satan caught her with her guard down. He caught her with her guard down as he slithered all around the garden. And in that moment of spiritual mindlessness, Eve became the victim of her own lust. Now think about that. She became the victim of her own lust. When I got to that point in my preparation last night, the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart a song that we used to sing when I was just a wee little one back at my home church. They'd always have all the kids come up, all six of us, and sing on Sunday morning. It was wonderful. And we would sing this little song, Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Remember that? Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Then one of my favorite, becoming one of my all-time favorites, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Hmm. It is often said the eye is the window to the soul. And a gentleman by the name of Travis Smith said this, and I quote, The eyes do communicate various emotions. Wide open eyes communicate fear. Tell me, do I look fearful right now? Say yes. Oh, yeah, communicates that. While the squint of the eyes communicates anger or disgust. I get that from you a lot of times while I'm preaching. That squinty-eyed look. And then dreamy eyes. You like it when I show them dreamy eyes to you, don't you, Sister D? Those dreamy eyes are said to communicate love and affection. Truly the eyes can communicate all kinds of things. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught his disciples That the eye is the light, not the window of the soul, but the light of the soul. Listen to this verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 23. The light of the body is the eye. No debate there. If therefore 
your eye be single. And what does that mean? Like Popeye? No, it means clear, undivided, without hypocrisy. Then your whole body shall be full of what, church? Full of light, verse 23. But if your eye be evil, if it's wicked, if it's malicious, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness. Fill in number one with me on your study notes. And yes, if you're new to new life, we really do fill these suckers in. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 17 instructs us that a look, a certain look in the eye can tell you a lot about what's going on in the soul and the spirit of man. Look at verse 17 of Proverbs chapter 30. The eye that mocketh derides or scorns at his father and despiseth to obey his mother. Look at this. The ravens of the valley shall pick it out. Can you say, ooh? The ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. So I say to you again, this is not just a child's song, but we need to live. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. We'll come back to that periodically. Now I'm back at my introduction, continuing on with that. And there are two things that we can take away from part one, just to summarize. First of all, Satan is scheming. When's he going to do that, Pastor T? Right now. Satan is scheming. That's what he does. That's his natural element. That's his natural character. And he's not alone in his endeavors. There are other spirits. Now, I've belabored that last week. If you did not get that teaching, I would encourage you to go to the website, find that podcast, and listen carefully to it. It's very, very uh, good, very practical, very timely, I should say. Secondly, we, if Satan is a schemer and he has some helpers, then obviously we need to be aware and alert. Notice I didn't say we need to get aware and alert. We need to be aware and alert. That's what we should do. And I know people today don't like for anybody to tell them what they should do, including their pastor, the one that's given in spiritual authority over them to share with them the Word of God. But I'm here to tell you that's what we should do. We should not be ignorant. In fact, on many occasions, Paul says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, brothers and sisters. And we certainly do not need to be apathetic about, oh, you know, whatever happens, happens. We've been called to be proactive in this thing we call the gospel. In other words, keeping our eyes wide open. Oh, be careful, little eyes. Now, that's kind of the end of that brilliant introduction. Look at your neighbor and say, that was brilliant. Yeah. Thank you for that. So let's quickly use this as a means of getting to something of utmost important to us. Important to you whether you know it or not. And it is simply this. It's the first question I want to throw at you this morning. How does Satan, the enemy of our soul, how does Satan intervene in the lives of men and women and boys and girls. Listen up, boys and girls. You're not exempt from this. I used to be a little boy, believe it or not, and I tell you, I can attest to what I am telling you. How does Satan intervene in the lives of men and women 
and boys and girls. Just as kind of a, uh, a, another question to follow that question, do you know the answer to that? How does Satan intervene in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls? Could you explain that to someone else? Do you know how that happens? Let me continue on this way. You've heard this many, many times. It's very important to repeat it because people do not believe it. Satan isn't to blame for our sin. Now, let me, let me let you think about that for a second. Satan isn't to blame for our sin. How do I know that? Pastor, you better have some word for that. Listen, Eve could not blame Satan, could she? God said don't, and she chose to do. She couldn't blame that on Satan, and neither can you. It would behoove you to discover the do's and don'ts of God and to purpose to do what God says and not to do what he says don't do. Okay, I just massacred the English language right there, but I trust you're with me. Though Satan is not to blame, he's certainly more than willing to accommodate you. Okay, certainly more than willing. His business is accusing men and women and boys and girls and striving by schemes. I told you he was a schemer and striving by lies and deception to make sure that you, whoever you are, not only fail miserably in your spiritual journey, but also that you are miserable in your failures. That's Satan. Do you understand that Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus is a comforter, and He sent Holy Spirit back, he said, I'm, I've got to go, guys. going to leave for a little while. But it's necessary for me to go because when I do, I'm going to send you another what, church? Another comforter, Holy Spirit. Satan, on the other hand, is a conflictor. He's a conflictor. He's a destroyer. So how does this schemer operate? That's what I'm asking and attempting to answer. And I want to answer it this way. It all begins with our allowing for. Will you look at your neighbor and say, allowing for? Be sure to articulate it that way. It all begins with our allowing for distraction. How many of you know by uplifted hand that distraction can be very distracting? <laughs> Fill in number two with me. This is very important. This is a golden nugget for you this morning. Distraction is the only door Satan needs to stick his big, I started to say big old ugly self. How many of you know he's not? And we'll show you some more of that here in a sec. But that's all he needs to stick his big, beautiful, lying self into your world. Do you remember David from the Old Testament? King David? David gives us some insight here. You're going with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Follow along with me here. Let's, let's observe what's going on. I'm asking how does Satan intervene in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And I've suggested to you it begins with our, our allowing for distraction. David shows us. Chapter 11 verse 2. One evening. What time of day was it? 
It was in the evening. One evening, David got up from his bed. I want to suggest to you that it was dark outside. Let me see your eyeballs, church. There's clue number one. It was dark outside. He got up from his bed, and he walked around on the roof of the palace. Now, they did that a lot back in those days. That was not weird. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Now, that's interesting. I'd have to admit that to you. But he saw a woman on the roof bathing. Check this out. The woman was very beautiful. I love the way the Scriptures add things and and help us to understand things. This would be a different story if that said the woman was a booger-eating moron. Can I get an amen right there? Some big old honking. But the woman was very beautiful. It's dark outside She's bathing up on the roof, and she's very beautiful. Look at verse 3. And David sent someone, a man, to find out about her. Hmm. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Watch this. For David, that should have been clue number two. Hmm? But know what he did, verse 4. Then, after this, then David sent messengers to get her. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a plan was hatched. Are you with me? Somewhere between, ain't this Uriah's wife? And the idea to send messengers to get her, Satan went to work. How'd he do that? I'm not positively sure how he did that, but I want to suggest to you that it was at that point an alarm was sounded in hell. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All the little demons come running because David had opened the door. Pastor, how could this have ended differently? Number three on your study notes. When weak, distracted David saw what he saw, a woman bathing on the roof, and I'm just to assume she was scantily clad. Most people don't put on a suit to take a bath. Can I get an amen right there? When weak distracted David, saw what he saw, he could have done the right thing right then and there. Could he? Yes, he could have. He could have covered his little eyes. He could have sang my song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. He could have covered his little eyes. He could have took himself back in the house and got back in the bed. Say amen if I'm right. He could have. But he didn't. Here's a little takeaway for you, somewhat of a parenthesis. I want you to catch this. Beloved, I want to encourage you to know your strengths, your spiritual strengths. Know your spiritual strengths. And especially know and understand your spiritual weaknesses. Because I promise you the enemy knows your strengths and he certainly knows your weaknesses. Watch this. Your strengths can get you in trouble 
with pride. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. You know, I could get it all, all giddy about what a super saint I am. Talk to you about, yeah, everybody knows I'm the world's greatest television preacher. Amen. And good, I look like Elvis. I mean, I could just go on and on and on about all of my spiritual strengths. What a tremendous example of a husband I am. Say amen, Sister Donna. You noticed that it spoke very loudly right there. And what a wonderful dad. Never made any mistake. I could talk to you about all those strengths. That lends itself to pride. Say it right out loud with me. Pride. Watch this. Your weaknesses can get you into deeper trouble with conspiratorial sin, i.e. David, conspiratorial sin against humanity. I encourage you to go back and read that story in its entirety. You will understand it did not turn out very well for Bathsheba's husband, and it did not turn out very well for David. David should have turned away quickly and cried out to God to cleanse his mind and cleanse his thoughts, but he chose another path. Now, for those of us that are privileged to live in the New Testament era, uh, New Testament era under the New Covenant, we have such passages as that which Paul wrote to the Corinthians and which Paul wrote to Timothy, advising us, beloved, not to fall into fornication, not to fall into adultery, but help me out here, church, to flee fornication and to flee such. David did not do that, and it cost him. What will happen to you if you choose the wrong path? Just think right out loud to yourself. It'll cost me. It'll cost me. From this point, David completely bears the guilt of his sin. I want you to understand, this was not a mistake. When you say, hey, Joe, come here. Who that, who that woman over there? And then you say, okay, I got you. I, she's a married woman. Yeah, I probably should go back in the house. And then you say, uh, messengers, come here. You understand how this is not a mistake going down? This is not a mishap. It was premeditated sin, pure and simple. Hmm. Hey, let me ask you this. Was David's unrestrained lust, and that's what it was, was his unrestrained lust Bathsheba's fault? There are some people that say that it is. Woman had no business up on the roof bathing naked just in case David walked out in the middle of the night, gawking at her. By the way, they bathed on roofs back then. David probably did that himself. They did. Things were kind of funny like that back then. It wasn't Bathsheba's fault. And in David's own words, and I encourage you to go back and read 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, or chapter 11, uh, verses 5 through 6 at some point in time. And you I, actually, I think I've got that reference wrong. I think it's chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. But uh, you go back and read that story at some point in time. It will confirm to you that Bathsheba was as innocent as the ewe lamb in prophet Nathan's uh, word, the pr word that Nathan brought, that parable that he brought. Now, I'm not going to explain that to you right now. Go back and read that on your own time. You'll discover that Nathan was a messenger of light. 
indeed. Now, I've already suggested to you that I do not understand all the intricate subtleties of Satan's schemings, but this much I do know. I think it must be alike David's ruse with Bathsheba. The components necessary. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's more to this particular segment and more to this series, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you in the days to come. Let me wrap it up this way by asking you this question. How does Satan intervene in the lives of God's children? How does he do that? Watch. There are a lot of different theories about it. A lot of them are very unbiblical, very ungodly. But the way Satan intervenes is when we are distracted, when we look away. Watch this. I'm holding the Word of God, the Bible, in my hand. It's very important to keep us focused. When we look away from this, we begin to look at other things. That's when Satan pounces. Looking away from this is representative of looking away from the things of God. Now let me ask you, have you developed a devotional life? Are you reading and studying the Word of God and getting it in so that it can come out? Have you developed a prayer life whereby you communicate with God through Holy Spirit? You see, that's the way it works. And it, there's no simple drive-through fast food method in all of this. You have to crock pot this, if you please. You have to have the discipline to stay in the Word and to stay in communication with the Father. Otherwise, the enemy will distract you. I trust and pray that God, by His Holy Spirit, will begin to impress that truth upon your heart, and you will resolve, hey, I need to stay focused. I need to stay in the Word and pray, not only by myself, my own time, but come together with the body of Christ and some times of corporate prayer. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for that very one that has been distracted even this week, maybe even right now. They've been distracted, pulled away from your word and began to focus on some other things. I pray that you would draw them back to yourself and as importantly, I pray that they would yield and submit to your drawing, your wooing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, let me remind you, the New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activities. We meet Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday night at 7, something for nearly the, the entire family. We also have a website, and I would encourage you to uh, take a look at that. There's a lot of helpful information there, and uh, we just encourage you to take a look at it. All of our television programs are there, just a click away. There's a podcast available so that you can listen to the Word of God, whether you're going or coming or somewhere in between. Once again, let me remind you before we go off tonight that New Life's Youth Awakening will be taking place January 27th, 28th, and 29th. Again, if you'll go to the website, there's a spot there where you can click on and find some more information and even register for this event. You parents that are listening, as well as you young people, I encourage you to put forth an effort to be involved in this activity. I really believe it's one of the premier youth events in this area, and we've been doing this for over 20 years. It's not something new. It's been going on for a long time, and I must say this. Those of you that are a part of other church fellowships, this is not a means for us to pull kids away from some other church or people away from some other church fellowship, but a means of equipping them to send them back to where they come from 
with a new fire and a new zeal to be about the business of God. That's what New Life Community Church is all about. That's what Youth Awakening is all about. I trust you'll be encouraged with that. I have to get out of here. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm-hmm.